Westplex 107.1, AM 1350 Crap, and 104.5 KSOQ are all on the TrimalCast 706. This is BS in the Morning. Our web address is bsinthemorning.show. Okay, Shelly and I were both invited to an event last night called Protecting Religious Freedom Event, and it was uh, hosted by the Church of Grish, uh, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the one out in, in uh, Lake St. Louis, right there in Hinkie Road. Yes. And... The two special guests were Jeremiah Morgan, who is the Deputy Attorney General, State of Missouri, and Stephen Colas, who is a religious freedom scholar, an attorney, author, and law professor at the University of Texas, Austin. There were all sorts of different people, all sorts of different stripes, people there from different religions. It was fascinating. And what he was talking about was um, that religious freedom, it's guaranteed in the First Amendment, but according to what he was saying, that there are very few law schools that teach that anymore. They teach freedom of speech as far as in politics and things like that, but they don't teach freedom of religion, which I find fascinating. Why is that? That was one of the tenets that our country was founded upon. If you know your history, the reason that most of our founders were from England, and in England they had one religion, the Church of England, and you had no choice. You couldn't be a Jew or a Christian or whatever. You had to be Church of England. And that was one of the things that the founders of our country didn't like, that they said, if you want to you know, worship whatever God you want to worship, you should be able to worship that God. Now, it is sort of interesting because they did put things like, in God we trust on our money and stuff like that. And even to the point where um, I think Franklin County Sheriff's Department still has, in God we trust, on the back of their squad cars, which I'm thinking to myself, that's interesting. Um, you know. I mean, I'm not saying anything bad about it. I mean, it's to the point where nowadays, if you say something like that, you know, somebody comes and sues you. You know, the ACLU comes and, we're going to sue you because you can't say God. Okay, whatever. (laughs) But I I get it that that what the founders of our country didn't like was they had a religion forced upon them. And they felt that there should be free expression of religion. And supposedly, that's, well, not supposedly, that's in the First Amendment. But yet, anyway, it was pretty interesting. Caleb did an excellent job. Um, Caleb is this amazing guy. And I want to sound like he's like my bromance because, you know, I mean, him and I don't hang out. I mean, he's never asked me to fly with him, which I think is sad because I could show him do a couple loops and things like that. You know, being an ex-helicopter pilot, you know, if you, it's, you know, you know, flying a heli, once you learn how to fly a helicopter, flying a plane is like, you know, you can fall asleep flying a plane. You know, helicopter, you got to be on your toes all the time. I could do a couple loops with, you know, Caleb, he's, oh, stop it. Right. Don't you think? Yeah, you could you could show him the moves for sure. <laughs> anyway, uh, he put the whole thing together. He was the moderator for it, and then he got he would he did such a good job. Those women from that church who sang "America the Beautiful" they were amazing, weren't they? Oh my gosh, it was it was lovely. It was truly truly lovely. Uh, then we had our 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 friend. Uh, and sponsor, thank you very much, Chris Heifel uh, from his church, Grace River, give the uh, beginning of the invocation. Then at the end, the guy, and, wh- and you know, I'm going to sound really dumb when I say this. What's, what do they call the guy who is the head dude in the, at, at the Mormon church? I mean, not. President. No, that's what he is. He's the president, right? Uh-huh. He's the president of that church. He's not like the pastor or the minister. He's the president, right? Correct. God, was he good or what? Yes, I mean he was. I mean, what what's interesting? <laughs> Everything was what, just what's interesting amazing. about this. This was not a, a thing where they're and and don't take this the wrong way. 
this, this was not an event where they're jamming religion down your throat. Essentially, no, what they, they weren't proselytizing. What to they you. were saying was, they were saying, look, everybody has a right to worship who and what and you know how whatever they want. You know, that's what supposedly were guaranteed under the First Amendment. And what they were saying was, through the years, it's slowly being eroded, as a lot of our freedoms are, which is sort of sad. Um, you know, and, and there were a lot of questions about, you know, separation of church and state. And obviously the questions came out about, well, how come they make you take a vaccine? It's against my religion. And there are religions like that. I, I when I back in the day, the girl that I went to high school with, I dated for a while. Uh, she was a Christian scientist. And I remember if we went out to like get something to eat, she couldn't drink like Coca-Cola because it had caffeine in it. If we went to like McDonald's, couldn't drink a Coke because they have caffeine. She had to drink like 7-Up or Team or something like that. Because okay. ca- caffeine was a drug, you know. And once again, I, huh. I, I thought, and and I was, I was fascinated by it, you know. I mean, I'm the guy that's been to, <laughs> I'm the guy with the hippie mom, you know. My mom was hippie before hippies were hippies, and when people to this day ask me what religion are you, I don't know. And people go, well, what were you raised at? I go, I was raised at a little bit of everything. And people go, how's, so was the, I. how's that? I go, my mom took us yeah. to different churches. We went to yep. the Lutheran church. We went to the, I can, you know, I mean, probably by the time. Yes. Catholic. Pro- probably by the yep. time I was 10 years old, Synagogue. I probably went to a dozen different churches, dozen different, different denominations. Matter of fact, yep. <laughs> we used to go, to, this is going to date me. We used to go to Easter morning service at the North Drive-In on 367 up there in North County. At the drive-in theater. That's where we went for our Easter service. And it was like a non-denominational kind of deal. So, anyway. But now we have Chris Heifel. Well, right, which, which is interesting because his church is non-denominational. So, everybody was involved. There were a lot of politicians there last night. The women who sang uh, America the Beautiful, it was just really good. It was, it was breathtaking. I mean, I mean, you know, it's yes. one of those things where... You don't realize how good live performances are until you go to a really good one. And yes. what were there, like eight women Eight women that sang that? There was. And they were just like, I mean, some of the voices, and we're like, God, I could listen to them all night long. And it wasn't like churchy kind of stuff. Uh-uh. It was, it was really, and I mean, don't mean churchy kind of stuff. People go, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> you, know, you, know <laughs> you know what I mean? It was more secular. Yes. I mean, it was, it was. The songs that we sing to honor our country. Right. And I talked about it last hour. I walked through the door by myself, wasn't with anybody, um, and people are greeting me. These are all the people from Caleb's church, all the, the, the Mormons there. They yep. greet me at the door. They shake my hand. They thank you, thank me for coming. They ask me, you know, if I could, they can help me find a seat, blah, 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 blah. You know, I leave. There's two or three of them at the door thanking me for being there, shaking my hand, you know, wishing me, you know, you know good evening. I'm going like... God, these people are so nice. Yeah, they they um, truly are just like Caleb. They're yeah. amazing. He's an interesting guy. I mean, he's he's he, he's he's on who, many. Caleb Hunter. Yeah, he's uh, you know he's one of these guys that's on many different levels. And he, yeah, is he a sponsor of our show? Yeah. If he if he cancels his advertising, I'd say the same thing. Matter of fact, I'd probably even praise him even more if he canceled his advertising. But don't get any oh, ideas. Stop don't it. get any ideas, Caleb. No, anyway. Um, he doesn't mean that, Caleb. He's a we guy. We need to have you on well, here. It wouldn't be the same without you. Well, he's a guy who cares about the community on many different yes, levels. Yes, he does. Cares about the community on a religious level, on a business yes. level, on a yes. governmental level. 
And there aren't too many people like that anymore. I mean, nowadays everybody's like, well, I, you know, they like they're like a singular passion. You know, they're like a, a for abortion or against abortion. You know, they're, you know, you know what I mean. It's like they have one. They're like one trick pony kind of thing. That's all they talk about. He's like a multi level kind of guy, not like multi level yes, marketing. And he, <clears throat> he's a good I guy. Can't even speak. Okay. Enough good things about that man. I'm going to talk about Mike Rowe. Mike Rowe okay. is the guy who does. Um, Dirty Jobs, and that show was yeah. on the air for a long time. And what's interesting is it's coming back. He says they've already done six episodes, which are going to start in January, on Discovery Channel again. I believe it was on Discovery Original, originally. And the reason for this, he says, because of the fact that more than ever, we need this, you know, we need to see these jobs that these people do that most people take for granted. You're driving along the highway. There's somebody that worked at the concrete plant that mixed that concrete that you're driving on. There's somebody who poured that concrete. There's somebody who built them equipment that, you know, that, that made that road possible. There's somebody that, that, you know, there's a foundry that made the rebar that's inside the concrete. There's somebody who made the steel for those guardrails. You know, there's somebody who goes out and put those guardrails up, and you don't know who those people are. And that, that's what his show's about. He talked about two things, and he said, this is what's wrong with America. And there's two words he used, with which, and I couldn't agree with him more. You know what the two words are? No. Risk and safety. Risk and safety? Risk and safety. And he said, I've said this exact same thing. The St. Louis area. Why is the St. Louis area called the gateway to the West? Do you know the answer to this question? Why do we have a gateway arch? Do you know, you know why that is? It has something to do with the river, doesn't it? Nope. It has to do with the fact that when... The uh, and keep in mind that Missouri was a state in 1821, um, and up until that point, Missouri was not one of the United States. But back in the day, in the 1800s, for the most part, not too much in the 1700s, but the 1800s and you know, and the early to mid 1800s, people made their way to St. Louis. St. Louis was like the last place on the frontier. This was it. And they came to St. Louis. <laughs> Does that mean we're the final frontier? No, no, no. no. I, mean, I mean, once again, when you <laughs> came here, people came here to explore, to move west. The way, what they call the, and the museum in the, at the bottom of the arch used to be the Westward Expansion Memorial or something like that. And yeah, that's, it that, does. That's the history of St. Louis. People came here. They came here they, you know, because there was a city, and this was like the last city. There was nothing west of here. Kansas City wasn't much of all. You know, now it's, you know, great city, but back in the day it wasn't much. People came here, they bought wagons, they bought horses, they bought, you know, supplies, and they headed west, okay? On the Overland Trail. I drove by there yesterday after Micro talked about it, and I took a picture of there's a marker, and I can tell you exactly where it's at. It's an Overland on the corner of Lackland and Walton Road. There's a big old monster's water tank sitting right there, a American City's big wa- monster water tank, not one in the air, but it's one on the ground. If you go, that would be on the, trying to think, it would be on the northeast corner. It's sort of, there's a sort of a triangle there. There's a, the, the water tower is like on a triangle. But on the corner of Walton and, and, and Lackland, there's a marker. There's two markers. One of them has a marker that talks about once upon a time this was the home of a, ca- a place called the Six Mile Road or something like that. And it was like the 12 Mile Road because it was 12 miles from downtown St. Louis. Can't remember which one it is. But on the ground, there's a marker dedicated to the Overland Trail. And Mike Rowe talked about the fact that people, and he didn't specifically mention St. Louis, but he talked about people headed west in the Overland Trail from St. Louis 
And once they got out of the city of St. Louis, they didn't have a phone to dial 911. They didn't have government to come help them out. They didn't have anybody. They were on their own. If somebody got sick along the way, there was no hospital. There was no, there was no emergency service. There was no ambulance to come pick them up. If they got attacked by robbers, Indians, whoever they got attacked by, they had to fight themselves off. They, were, they didn't dial 911. Police didn't show up. There wasn't a SWAT team that came. They took risks, and they essentially they knew that their safety was diminished. And he kept talking about this. It was pretty interesting. And he talked about this, and, and he said, here's the problem we've got right now, is that he gave an example. He says that when a company says, our safety is your primary concern, an airline says, you know, our safety is your primary concern, he said, that's a lie. And to a certain extent, it is a lie, because of the fact that if safety was their primary concern, they wouldn't charge you any money. You're right. They just say, "Hey, fly for free. We're going to take all the money. You know, uh, we're, we, you know, we we're just going to do this for free because we're safety freaks." And the idea being that every single day you take risks. But the problem is, as we get more complacent in our society, we are willing to take less and less risks, and we want our safety insured to a higher degree every single day. We don't want to eat a bad piece of food because of the fact that we don't want to get food poisoning. And we don't want to, you know, we don't want to do this because, you know, and, and he brought it around to the COVID-19 thing, which makes perfect sense. If I said to you, Shelly, there's a chance that I could be killed on the highway today. When I'm going to a meeting at noon, wherever I'm going today, there's a chance that I could get killed on the highway. And you said, well, I'm from the government. I don't want you to get killed. I'm not going to allow you to drive today. That was his point. His point is we take inherent risks every day, but the problem is we've become less and less risk takers. And he talked about the people that settled this country. Walking out of your house anymore is a risk. But the point being is that everybody's so concerned about safety that statistics don't lie. If they're, they're, unfortunately, there will be, in the state of Missouri, there will be people killed on the interstates today. There will, unfortunately, be people killed all over the country today. There will be people on job sites today who will be killed. They'll fall off a scaffolding. They'll get hit by a crane or something like that, smashed by a bulldozer, whatever. There will be people killed today. There will be people who, who you know, uh, have serious injuries because of the fact that they did something stupid or something happened. They were at work and a piece of part flew off a machine and hit them in the head and killed them. That's just going to happen. We can't, and essentially his point was, we can't just wrap ourselves in gauze and essentially say, well, I don't want anything to happen to me. Because of the fact that you look at where our history is, you know, our history is and was a history of risk-taking. This country was, was founded on people taking risks. They came to the United States. There was nothing here. You know, they, they formed a country. They fought the British. You know, once again, the British who had this, you know, at the time, the British were like the world power. You know, and we fought them and we beat them. You know, we took a risk. These people who signed the Declaration of Independence, if the, if, you know, the British would have won the Revolutionary War, they would have all been killed. They would have been executed. They took risks. They disregarded their safety and they took risks. And this was his point. Nobody wants to take any risk. I shouldn't say it's nobody. There are people that take risks. But he said that everybody wants guarantees of safety and they want minimization of risks. And what it's made us into? A bunch of wimps. A bunch of wimps. I say this about the schools, the crap next week. Oh, we're going to have a whole week off. Hazelwood and all these other districts are going to have a whole week off because mental health. You know what they should be doing? 
The kids should be going to school five days a week next week, and the teacher should be saying, okay, we're not going to pull this, this, you know, this, oh, mental health is tough anymore. We're going to be tough. We're going to learn to survive in our in our time. We're going to learn, you know, when you kids are growing up, guess what? This is not the first time you're going to have adversity. There's going to be lot, lots of adversity in life. There's going to be lots of problems you're going to run into. There's going to be other scourges. There's going to be other, you know, illnesses. There's going to be this. There's going to be that. You're going to be faced with, you know, life and death situations at many point in your life. Get used to it. Suck it up, buttercup. Learn to be a tough human being. Learn to deal with risks and learn to, you know, not disregard safety, but take safety and risk-taking to a tolerable level, not an insane level where you have to have a whole week off because we have to get mental illness, we have to get our heads together. That's teaching our kids to be a bunch of damn wimps. I'm sorry, I said it. Do you feel better? Well, you know, what bothers me is I wish... And you're going to laugh when I tell you this. I wish my childhood would have been much tougher than it was. I wish it would have been terrible, tough, because those are the people I see that succeed. The people that got their teeth kicked in, the te- people that they had a tough life because they learned to deal with adversity and they moved on. You know, and I think what's even to the point where you're starting to see it happen with our military, like the wokeness that has in, invaded the military. Remember that stupid uh, General Milley when they asked him, he says, well, I think it's important that we have, you know, that we're, you know, we're, you know, we're sensitive to. I mean, it's the military. They teach people to kill people. That's what their job is. Their job is to protect us. And if they have to, they use lethal force to protect us. The same with the police. They're taught to, you know, go into situations. And if the, and if the stuff hits the fan, what do you call it again? The defecation context, the rotary oscillator? They are told, you know, they are taught to deal with it with lethal force. That is, unfortunately, a fact of our life. There are cretins out there, just like these creepy guys, and I don't know if it's, I think it's probably not women, that are driving around the St. Louis area, knocking in all the car windows, stealing stuff, you know, where, where you know, like every night. We hear, well, last night they were, at, they were down in Chesterfield Valley. They're at the main event. You know, and the night before that, they were at the Blues game. I mean, you know, once again... Because these guys know if they get caught, eh, no big deal. Eh, they may spend a couple months in jail, and eh, they'll be back out. But yet, if if they realize that there were guys hiding in the cars, and you know, let's say you know, and 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 the guys had shotguns, and when the window comes breaking out, you know, window comes breaking in, a shotgun blast comes out of the car. Guess what? They wouldn't be knocking in windows in cars, right? Right. But once again, if you did that, they go, oh, my God, you murdered a guy. He was just breaking into your car. You have to draw the line in the sand somewhere. You have to essentially say, look, this is the way it's going to be. You know, you violated the law. Guess what? You pay the consequences. But, of course, we see that with the, with the, 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 Kyle, the Kyle trial uh, in Kenosha. And we'll talk about the NBC thing in a couple of minutes, which is sort of weird. But anyway, risk and safety. Think about it for a minute. Risk and safety. I will. Those poor, uh, those three poor MoDOT workers, two of them got killed. They had a job that had risk. Tragic. They tried to, they, they did what they could to provide safety for them. Unfortunately, yes, in that situation yesterday, it wasn't enough. And they took the risk. They knew the risk of working out there in the highway. Unfortunately, the, the, the odds were against them yesterday. That's life. And I don't mean to sound callous on that, but that's just the way it is. If you wanna, if you wanna sit in your house all day long, you know, I mean, and to the point where, like, for example, that that plane crash that happened. What is it? Was it Phoenix or a couple weeks ago, where the UPS driver got killed by the plane that crashed on him? 
I mean, what are the odds of you being a UPS driver and have a plane come out of the sky and crash into your truck and kill you? The guy took a risk. Not, not a lot. Well, I mean, probably forty-two billion to one. You know, yeah. but once again. You know, the UPS guys, they take risks all the time. They're on the highway. They drive around. They could be eaten by, you know, bitten by dogs when they're delivering packages. They could slip and fall on the ice. They could have accidents. You know, that kind of stuff. They, they, uh, they know the risks, and they take them. Okay, I'm done now. Now you're done. <laughs> it's 726. Mike Rowe. He got me in trouble. I'm sorry. He could have done much better than I did it. The guy's pretty good. I wish I was as good as him. wish I had as much money as he did. 727.